0: And welcome back to "But Where Are You From, a podcast by Be Seen, Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. My name is Vivian Yao and I'm here to just do a little intro, chat with you, hear what you've been up to. If you want to message me, please do. I've just recovered from COVID um, but I'm still feeling the effects of it. I feel like I can't walk up the stairs without feeling so out of breath and even now, talking i don't know whether you can hear it but but um my breath feels very labored and like i just can't concentrate on walking without feeling out of breath not that you need to concentrate on walking what the fuck am i talking about anyway welcome back to the podcast What have I been up to recently? Well, I've had a lovely few days off. um, My Anne, who is a BC Core team member, she came up from London to Manchester for a few days. We made homemade bang bang noodles. Um, I've shared the dough recipe on my Instagram if anyone would like to um, copy the recipe for the dough. Um, It's my mum's noddle recipe and she calls it noddle. Um, And she's written the recipe herself, so it's very cute. Um, and then we went around Manchester. We met up with Jenny Lau, aka Celestial Peach, who's been on the podcast before. Go and check out her episode with Tiff. Cooks a lot, um, and they both spoke to Mayan recently, which was a really fun episode to listen to. Um, Jenny actually texted me because she came across an awesome new Chinese cafe in Manchester Chinatown called Morning Cafe, which I have walked past so many times and I have never, ever noticed it before. Um, and it's just really cute. Like the waiter who I think she owns the cafe, she had her baby just like there with her just chilling and she was like serving us tea with a baby like on a hip. And she was just like taking our order and it was super super cute and they were playing like canton music and Backstreet Boys and all this random stuff so it was really really nice in there so please go check it out we had the congee the Taiwanese pancakes and uh, this like I don't know what it's called sticky rice haggis thing I don't know what it's called but inside it had like pickled mustard greens and dagwe, like fried dough stick and it was very tasty. Now I'm having a bit of downtime. I'm going to watch Bridgerton season two. Um I've not been alone for a while because I've been very busy. My boyfriend has moved house, so I've been helping him with that. So I've not had time just to be on my own. Oh yeah, and just to clarify, he's not moved in with me um i don't think that i could handle the mess that he would create just joking just joking um but no he's not moved in with me but he has moved into the building right behind me so that's cool Um, So before we get into today's episode, we wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Barnardo's, the UK's leading charity, and that this may be of interest to listeners who know of uh, Hong Kong British Nationals who have recently relocated to the UK. They launched a dedicated helpline last year to support ethnic community families. Since February the 1st, the helpline has expanded to also offer dedicated services to Hong Kong British Nationals overseas relocating to the UK. In the first half to 2021, 65,000 Hong Kong nationals arrived in the UK and the government expects around 475,000 to arrive over the coming years. Bernardo's Bolo Helpline offers support in Cantonese and English, provides a free psychotherapy to support the mental health and wellbeing needs of those who will be resettling into a new culture, education system and employment and challenges integrating into communities. You can find out more and access support on 0800 151 2605. To speak to a friendly advisor or make an online referral, visit their website helpline.bernardos.org forward slash hong kong slash bno. I'll also pop all of this information in the show notes as well, in case anyone who is listening has relatives or knows of people who are Hong Kong British nationals who would like to access this service, it's completely free, so I definitely, definitely think it's worth checking out if you feel that a Hong Kong family could benefit from this service. Anyway, I'm feeling so out of breath, um, so I'm finding podcasting really difficult. Just talking. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I chat to Pei Wen and King Wei, who are now part of the B core team. Woo! We talk a lot about um I guess identity in the sense that um of Pei Wen coming over to China at the age of fourteen and her noticing really like different things in the UK, like daylight savings and the fact that it's winter over here at like 3-4 PM. Which I didn't realise is not a thing that happens all over the world. Um, And we also talk a lot about cutting off racist friends as well. Which is something that I have shared on Instagram before. And I recently have just written an article for Be Seen. For the Racism Ended It series called um, I'm Ready to Talk About White Women. And it was an extremely emotional article for me to write. And... I still haven't quite processed everything that's happened because it's still ongoing in certain ways with these friendships. And it's really difficult and triggering. Um, I did get a lot of really lovely messages from people and I was I was really overwhelmed to be honest because I didn't expect that kind of response. Um, but I think the reason why I wanted to write about it was because I was desperately searching for similar content that talks about the nuances of friendship breakups but with a racism lens and I just wasn't finding it anywhere like I would read anti-racism books and they might touch on it but it wasn't in depth enough I wanted to hear like the details of how these relationships broke down what was said how did you combat it or did you not do anything at all like I was really searching for those types of stories and I'm comforted by the fact that It isn't just me who has gone through this situation as hard as it is. Like, obviously, I don't wish this on anyone at all. But the fact that so many people messaged me and I was really happy to see that it wasn't just EC friends, but also um, I had South Asian women message me as well. Black women message me. And we all had very similar themes, um, which just made me feel really comforted. And also white women, too, who messaged me. And um, almost talked about it from the perspective of them experiencing their friends' racism as well, their white women friends' racism, and how they have dealt with it too. Um, and it just makes me think about how there's just so many nuances when it comes to friendship breakups. And they're hard enough as it is, but when you have this added layer of racism to it, it just is a absolute shit show (laughs) that's that's the best way that i can describe it um so i hope to anyone who has gone through something similar you're really not alone in this um i feel very confident that there is and should be a space for us to talk about this which is why with this new series it's going to be um a monthly series on be seen on the website called racism ended it And we're encouraging people to essentially share their stories anonymously, uh, whether it's to do with friendships, work dynamics, um, romantic relationships, family, whatever it might be. As long as it has a theme of racism, um, then please feel free to um, head to our website and see whether you want to get involved with being part of the collection of um, anonymous stories, because I think it will be really powerful to share these stories collectively and just to hear different experiences I think especially for me I think that's probably selfishly one of the reasons why I wanted to write it is so that I could feel less alone so if you wanted to do it and you wanted to make me feel less alone please um get in touch on our website Um, but I hope you enjoy this episode (laughs) Hello and welcome to But Where Are You From, a podcast by BCN, Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network. I'm Viv Yao, your host, and with me are
1: Hi everyone, I'm Pei Wen. And I'm King Wei.
0: Yay! <laughs> and you both are the, the BCN new core team members. Yay! Yay!
1: It's actually so <laughs> unreal being here, with... Um Yeah, can I just say that I actually um, found Vising, well, I found your podcast first and now I'm here. So that was just over two years ago or under two years ago even. Um, So yeah, little did I know.
0: How did you find the podcast out of interest? Because I always wonder this.
1: I think I um, started listening to Nigel and Evelyn's podcast, Mm -hmm. Uh, Rise to Meet You. And I think you had them on your podcast as guests, so mm. thanks to algorithm, they recommended <laughs> your podcast.
0: Ah, I see. I see. Yeah, they, their podcast episode is one of our best performing ones. No, no surprise there.
1: <laughs> uh, well,
0: welcome. It's like that's that's really strange, full circle. But it's really cool to have you both on. How are you both out of ten?
1: I'm. Um, I would say eight or nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah, had a um, very nice weekend in Suffolk. Um, so yeah, I went to a few beaches and nice. um, drove around some little towns and villages. And the weather was nice. So yeah, it was lovely.
2: And I would say a seven probably not higher because the weather's got a bit rubbish now after like a really nice weekend but a pretty good pretty good score I got to see um neither of you two unfortunately but half the <laughs> team, team yesterday for dim sum which was lovely uh so yeah good seven
0: oh how was it meeting the be scene lot in person or half of the B scene team in person really
2: nice and what better way to do it than over dim sum <laughs> <laughs> So it was Carly, Mayan's over from Senegal at the moment and uh, she's coming up to see you tomorrow Viv, um, Amy, David and myself. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, because I think people um, may not know that our BC team, we operate across, well, the world really, <laughs> predominantly in the UK, but like Mayan's in Senegal. So yeah, we don't actually, a lot of us haven't actually met in person properly. Which is Perfect. which is weird, but we also work together every week and any time that we have like volunteering. So like it is a fully remote operation. It is
2: this like weird thing of like I don't know. It's kind of like seeing a celebrity when you're seeing someone's face on Zoom the whole
1: time. <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It "What's um, everyone? Um, how you imagine them to be? Any surprises?"
0: well I've met everyone
1: before
2: so yeah
0: <laughs> imagine if like you were like oh yeah I thought that person was an absolute bitch <laughs> and, like he didn't That's... vibe at all I don't know it kind of does translate doesn't it the vibe obviously it's not the same over zoom but like it when I first met like the all in person it did feel very it felt better in person like than what the chemistry that you like have online kind of thing it's almost like online dating in a way isn't it? It Take it to the next level. Yeah 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 yeah, exactly you get to see them smell them touch them. (laughs) Um, So but where are you both from?
1: Yeah so I'm from China the um, very famous city of Wuhan actually Mm -hmm. and I moved to England when I was about 16 and um, basically um, my Parents were divorced when I was young and my mom got remarried with my stepdad who's English and that's how we moved here. And when we first got here, we uh, moved to a little town in Hertfordshire. So just outside of London called Wollongan City. So I um, went to sixth form there and then I went on to do uh, a gap year placement in Reading and I went to uni in London and worked in London for a bit and then now living in Cambridgeshire. So mm. yeah, kind of went wrong for a bit um, in the past, just over a decade now. And um, well, all kind of Southeast England, apart from one year, so third year of uni, I went to Sydney to um, study abroad there, and it was nice. just best year.
2: Yeah, so I am from London, yeah. Uh, My parents are both Chinese Malaysian. I was born in London. I grew up in um, North London, Mm -hmm. and I went to uni in London. (laughs) It's a very boring story. (laughs) Um, But I spent a year in Paris because I studied French at uni nice um, and I've just recently moved to South London really trying to like compete with payment that's really not working <laughs> I've moved from North London to South London which is actually unheard of um, <laughs> and I'm having it yeah I'm fixed in Brixton right now
0: nice I really like South London to be fair I do
2: not gonna lie, I moved because um I feel like it's a lot more diverse down here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least, yeah. At least in like the area of North London that I was, it was very mm. um old money, white people <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> mm. So yeah, it's kind of nice to see a bit of colour. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I did a bit of both when I was in London. Um I did south first. I went I was in Tooting, Broadway, and then I moved to Finsbury Park, which is quite diverse actually. Um, But I remember when I moved down there, when it was, um, what year was it, 2016, because I'd never moved anywhere apart from like Manchester City Centre, going down to London was like a culture shock for me, which was like so strange to say, because I'm Chinese. But then I was like, there's loads of people of colour around and I'm not used to it at all. And like, I was just so like, blind to the fact that I was Chinese myself, because I was so used to being surrounded by white people. It was so strange, such a weird experience.
2: Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way, because <laughs> there yeah. are, like, of course, pockets of diverse areas in North London, but I feel mm. like in general, South, South London is a lot more diverse.
0: Yeah, yeah, big up the South. Um, mm-hmm. do you want to tell Kingway? If you want to tell the listeners a bit about yourself, what do you do? where do you live or oh, you've already told us that how old you are and, and including one secret or fun fact about yourself yeah okay <laughs> so I turned 34 um a couple of weeks ago but outside
2: of the scene I am a florist so I do less and less weddings um these days um partly I don't know I used to do a lot of weddings pre-pandemic but that obviously kind of went away over pandemic but I'm just not that keen on like going back to it I was telling some of other team members yesterday it's just quite bad for my mental health so I'm not like Mm. that going back into weddings but Mm. I still do floristry because I love flowers um and mainly for other events outside of weddings and photo shoots and things like that Mm. um one secret from that this isn't particularly fun and I say it's a secret just because people are quite surprised when I say it that I'm like really shy as a person yeah. <laughs> I was, kidding, like I was really nervous about this podcast and even you were like but you're so chatty yeah. and I think people often often think that I'm super outgoing and really sociable but really I'm just a miserable <laughs> unsociable really shy person at heart um oh. And yeah, I guess that's a secret because it's a bit of a surprise for people. Yeah. To say
0: that. Do you think yeah. it's like the inner child kind of like from when you were younger and it's just kind of, it feels like that to you, but it doesn't present that way to a lot of people?
2: Definitely think so. This is something yeah. I've spoken to my therapist about. Very <laughs> therapized term, isn't it? <laughs> child. But yeah. yeah, but I can't like place it. There's usually like a defining moment in your like childhood where you feel like really embarrassed and shy and I can't pinpoint one, so I'm not really sure where it comes from but it is definitely mm. something that I've carried um over from my childhood that I've never that I've maybe like got better at masking mm. as I've got older so I've like managed to be like present as extroverted and outgoing yeah. but yeah for sure like my inner child like <laughs> To hide away inside.
0: <laughs> that is so interesting, isn't it? I I love like um doing those. Are you an introvert or extrovert quizzes and like yeah. it always comes up as um I'm right in the middle. Like I am an ambivert. I don't know whether you've heard of that term before. Definitely. Yeah.
2: I think we're all a bit of both. It really depends mm. on the situation, doesn't it? And like yeah. who you're around.
1: Um, totally. So yeah, we're all
2: yeah. of both. No pigeonholing.
1: Yeah, we're complex people and yeah, I definitely met a lot of extroverted introverts or introverted extroverts, so
0: yeah. Very true, very true. And what about yourself, Pei Wen? And don't forget your one secret or fun fact.
1: I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, work as a project manager and a consultant for a um, consultancy in the construction industry. So at the mm-hmm. moment, I'm working on some sustainability projects. So making existing buildings more energy efficient. So that's things like social housing, um, hospitals, uh, universities, so many in the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so not as um, glamorous as, um, you know, working and <laughs> at weddings and... Um, just working with flowers all day I'm very jealous (laughs) just got a corporate job in business
0: I think both are very cool though like it's amazing how there's so much diversity in the BC core team in terms of like what we all do there's so many different skill sets and like I found that like if we if we had all the same types of jobs we would bring the same types of skills to what we do but because we are so diverse I think it really helps absolutely yeah
2: just so you know floristry
0: is really not that glamorous <laughs> <laughs> a lot of
2: heavy lifting it's very messy early mornings um yeah, yeah not as glamorous
1: as it seems <laughs> yeah yeah you always see the end result don't you yeah but you don't realize <laughs> what happens behind the scenes <laughs> and all the um time and energy and effort you put into making a beautiful result mm.
0: so Peiwen what's your secret then or fun fact
1: um, yeah, I was trying to think actually. Um, I got a prize at a karaoke competition when I was <gasps> at primary school. Um, right.
0: I <laughs> we need to do karaoke next time like we're together in London then.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd definitely be down for that.
0: So you like really good then?
1: To be fair, I, um, I love karaoke definitely when I was in China. Um, I think it's just, you know, a social activity that a lot of people do um, but yeah but certainly when I got here I think it's less of a common you know social activity it's mm-hmm. mostly you know going to a pub or just going on the night out mm-hmm. um yeah I wouldn't say I'm I'm a you know keen singer or anything um but I do like music I like listening to music um and if I do get a chance to um, do a bit of karaoke. I would definitely take for advantage yeah. of that. That Wait. means
0: you're good. It means you're good. Like I can say I enjoy it, but I'm not. I know I'm not good. <laughs> Whereas, like you're being humble there, I can tell Pei-Wen, You're being humble. Wait,
2: what was this prize? Ask more about it. Like, who did it come from? Then, yeah, and what did yeah.
1: you say? It was just some um, in my primary school. Um, I think it was just a, a children's song. Um, that was quite popular um, yeah there wasn't kind of a top prize or, or runner-up or anything it was just a lot of people um, not a lot of people but I think <laughs> five people got mm. prizes or something so yeah
0: was it, it cash wasn't price? like
1: it was like a little piece of paper
0: damn it no no <laughs> cash prize right we need to, we need to get yourself into like a karaoke competition and we can win some money out of this
1: I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up.
0: <laughs> You're down for it. You're down for it. Um, so so Pay when you talked earlier about coming from Wuhan um and it now being a very infamous city within the world because of, I guess, the COVID um related racism and everyone talking about Wuhan and they've probably never heard of it before. Um, how's that experience been like people and the media talking about your hometown? Um in relation to COVID?
1: Yeah I think um, at the beginning it just felt very unreal I think Mm. um, I obviously heard of it at the end of 2019 I actually booked some flights to um, go to my cousin's wedding in March 2020 Um, obviously I I didn't go in the end Mm. Um, but yeah I think I was just in denial that all of this came from city that I that I was from. And um, like you said, no one really heard of it before COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, everyone knows about it, but for the wrong reason. But I do feel like it it is um very unfortunate coincidence that they happened there. So I mm-hmm. think I was slowly just, you know, accepting that. But then Lockdown and everything happened in the UK, and then you get um, the news just showing, you know, what was happening. And um, in kind of the, the non-mainstream media, you can also see that all of this COVID-related racism mm-hmm. happening. And it was just, yeah, really heartbreaking. And then mm-hmm. it also just felt extra personal, just because I was from Wuhan. Um, but yeah, so, so it got to a point that I just had to switch off the news and mm. delete my social media for a bit. Um, but I think, yeah, over time, you, you just start to accept it um, bit by bit.
0: That's like, obviously, it takes me back, I guess, to 2020 um, in terms of those feelings there. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can resonate with just it's almost like you feel really self-conscious like I felt like that when I was just like walking down the street like obviously I'm not from Wuhan so I wouldn't have experienced it in the same way that you did in terms of like just your hometown and like taking it really personally in that way but like people just I felt really self-conscious for the first time ever being Chinese in that way it's, re- it's really taking me back to that time in 2020 um, which was a really strange new sensation I think for me to feel that on like an everyday level like obviously I've experienced racism and everything but it was such a strange 2020 world of like I don't know awakening of like shit this is who I am I think it's like probably shaped a lot of our identity in terms of like who we are and who we understand ourselves to be from that year if that makes any sense
1: yeah definitely
2: Absolutely, I kind of really relate to that as well. I feel like um, EC people went from being like the invisible race to like suddenly super visible overnight. <laughs> and that mm. was, um, yeah, a weird one.
0: Yeah, really it's weird how much we've like kind of come along in terms of our own community since then. Cause I hadn't really reflected back on that time until you started talking you when, And then like now I'm thinking about it, I was like, God, that was really shit. <laughs> really shit and I felt so alone yeah that's the reason why I started this podcast because I was like why are people doing this and I want to just talk about stuff
2: this is the reason I started listening to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that sense of isolation and yeah our community hadn't really come together like it has now Mm -hmm. um before covid
0: because yeah unfortunately it
2: takes sometimes horrible reasons like that for people to come together uh yeah. as we did.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, um, definitely. So, Paywen, going back to um, you're talking about your upbringing and moving over here when you were 14. Um, how was that experience for you? Like going from um, growing up in China to coming to the UK. Like, how was that whole experience for you?
1: Um, there was obviously a very big difference between these um two countries. Um, and when I moved over here I think you're obviously faced with the bigger challenges such as you know language and um, you know making friends Um, and I think these two are definitely linked as well because I think um, the the better your English is and the Mm. easier you make friends and the more friends you have you practice your English a bit more Um, so I think I, I had a relatively smooth transition over here luckily Um, so I did learn English since some primary school and extracurricular courses as well Um, and I really enjoyed learning it and um, that obviously always makes it a bit bit easier when you try to learn a language and when I came here I also went to a local college to learn kind of the, the basics of the Culture, the language before I went to sixth form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, there's still a lot of um, conversational English that, that you need to get used to, and also the, the British accent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which is obviously different from what people teach in China. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what also helps is having a, a British stepdad. Um, mm-hmm. You can just, you know, when you're watching TV, there's something you don't understand, That would just uh, ask him, um, what does that word mean, or mm. what was this all about? I still do that sometimes, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so, mm. a very, um, yeah, very big learning curve. Um, and yeah, I think when I went to school, I really just put myself out there, um, mm. and luckily met um, a group of very lovely friends. They're also approachable and just very open-minded. I remember we had this, you know, common room in the sixth form um, section of the school and I think that's where I met everyone. Mm. Um, And um, yeah, we just kind of started having conversations and um, yeah, eventually became good friends. And um, yeah, I think we we kind of, I, I remember the uh the the cultural difference element there was Mm. some the the packed lunch I had was always kind of warm homemade meals whilst (laughs) everyone else was having um you know cold sandwiches so they were all (laughs) very fascinated by (laughs) what I was having um (laughs)
0: food food with actual flavor
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) so what type of
0: food was it then that you that you would have
1: yeah, I think it's just usually, you know, leftover from the night mm. before, which is probably rice with some vegetables, yeah. um, stir fry um, meat or vegetables. Um, mm. Yeah, but I think sometimes uh, things I thought that was quite simple can, can yeah. feel like, oh, that's like a proper meal for them. Yeah. Um,
2: so there wasn't like um, an element of them poking find at what you're eating. It was more like curiosity of like
1: the difference and stuff? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that they could probably smell it first. And um, yeah, they would say, oh, what was that? Oh, that so, looks so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just something that they probably wouldn't have in their household. Um, <laughs> so Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I think my confidence definitely just grew more over the years. I think probably uh, the, the later part of my six form experience and uh, also the, the many years after that, um, I managed to make so many good friends who are all very adventurous and open-minded um, and a lot of people very well read or, or well traveled as well. Um, so yeah, very lucky in that sense. And I think what people, don't really talk about when they talk about, you know, migrants, it's um, mm. just the little things in their life as well um, mm. that, that you wouldn't expect um, before, before you get here. Just since the moment that I arrived, really, I just remember, mm. you know, coming out from the airport, um, it was mid of winter, and um, maybe half three, four o'clock in the afternoon, and it was just really dark. Mm. And then I just wasn't <laughs> sure what was going on. <laughs> Why was it <this> so dark? <laughs> and maybe you know, it, it was just bad weather that day or something. But yeah, you know, I quickly realized that it's just how it is. <laughs> it's
0: just how it is. Shit, the weather shit. Miserable <laughs> and dark all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: winter's very long. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just things like you know, I um um. I think a couple of days after, after I got here, I went to um, a very um, nearby town with, with my mom, and we got a bus there, and usually buses in China cost mm. one yuan, which is not very much, mm. and mm. the two of us spent 10 pounds between us Whoa. on the buses, which is like 100 yuan. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I just couldn't believe that we, we spent you know, that much on taking a bus. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I just quickly realized I, I shouldn't, mm. I, I should just stop converting that <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just things like, um, you know, the, the water taps, the, the cold water tap and the mm. hot water tap, they're sometimes separate so yeah. I just you know wasn't sure why why there were different tabs why couldn't they just make it into one thing
0: <laughs> I've never like I've heard about people noticing that and it's like I've never noticed that before that that's a, a British thing did you Kingway? um I have noticed it
2: recently just because I'm like um thinking about like house renovations and stuff mm. <laughs> I've just moved into like <laughs> a really old rubbish Victorian house <laughs> that I had any love for like a hundred years. Um, so yeah, I've had to like change the sinks of my house. <laughs> I've just mm. yeah, realized that all the taps, are, they're not combination taps. So yeah, separated out hot and cold. There's just no reason for it whatsoever. Like, yeah. can you think of any
0: good reason? No. Yeah, you really you really can't. Unless you're cold or you like burn yourself. Like why? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Wow. I think they're probably just very old buildings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me at the time, I thought, you know, it's a country where the industry re- revolution was started and, you know, they, they couldn't combine two tabs. Um, <laughs> they just couldn't <laughs> combine them. They didn't know how. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just a lot of little things like that. But I definitely, you know, just normalized yeah. it over the years and um, it's just normal to me now yeah yeah um
0: that's so interesting hearing like the little differences like obviously aside from like a massive change of like moving from like com- a completely different country to the uk to china to the uk and then but then all like these really really small things like winter <laughs> it's just like the seasonal differences and all these little small things it's really interesting to hear uh, we earlier talked about the turning point in which um we started talk- thinking about our identities more what was the turning point for you both, if you want to go into that a bit more in terms of like discovering your heritage?
2: Um, so for me, I think um, similar to Payman, I had a really good experience at school. I was in um, a super diverse school and sixth form. Um, there are a lot of South Asian people where I grew up. Um, I had a lot of brown friends and. Um, yeah, really diverse group of friends. So like growing up as like a child, I didn't, it wasn't something, race wasn't something I was that aware of mm. um, that much. Until I think the turning point where I like sort of started to realize I was different from the norm. Um, but I think when people start getting interested in like dating and boys and stuff like that. So I went to an all girls school so mm. we starved of, of um, male energy. But we had like this brother school that we used to like do plays with and some social activities with. And I remember, yeah, that kind of being a turning point as to when I realised I wasn't white, basically. Um, mm. And very recently, I remember looking at one of my old diaries from when I was maybe 13, 14. <laughs> it's really sad. It's not funny. But like I wrote, today... Rupert said that he'd ask me to be his girlfriend if I if I wasn't Chinese.
1: <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Oh my no god. No way.
2: Bloody Rupert.
0: What the hell? <laughs> so you only have to change your ethnicity. It's not that hard to do,
2: Yeah. So like it being <laughs> literally pointed out by people of the opposite sex. Um wow. but then I guess my response to that I was really lucky I actually two of my best friends who I'm still really good friends with today one mm. um she's white and one is half white and um half Indian mm. and I think that's when I started like looking and being in London I guess I was really lucky in that there was like an EC community to find mm. uh, there was this one club that we used to go to when we were mm totally underage i think it's still there <laughs> it's called thai square and it's in trafalgar square and it's in like the mm-hmm. basement of this like thai restaurant and it was just full of underage like ec people mm-hmm. i love it every friday night like it was five pounds to get in i remember like showing my international driver's license to like <laughs> the security <laughs> card and them being like yeah can you come in but like and it was like an all ec crowd um, but I also had like family friends, like Malaysian Chinese um, family friends who um, were of the same age. So I, I was like an easy community for me to mm-hmm. get closer to, as in a response to like being rejected by all the white boys.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I was really lucky in the sense that my two like, um, girlfriends who weren't EC would come to me like every Friday sometimes on a Saturday come out clubbing with me to these EC nights Mm -hmm. partly because it was like the only place we could get into as 16 17 year olds yeah but they were like so happy to come hang out and party with me um with like an all EC crowd so that was really lucky Mm -hmm. um and I guess I wasn't um when I really started getting to grips with the old racism was mm-hmm. in the workplace, sadly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So before I was a florist, I have a dark past of um. I had, I worked in media for like eight years before <laughs> becoming a florist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, sadly my experience like in the workplace was what kind of really not rose tinted glasses off my face to like, mm-hmm. yeah. The racism out there in the real world. I think you're sheltered a lot from it as a student. And it's only like when you get into the workplace that you are be like, oh, like mm-hmm. I could work as hard as I like want and mm-hmm. I'll never be rewarded um, as much as, yeah, my white counterparts, white male yeah. counterparts. Mm-hmm. And like it started off as like the suspicions, like microaggressions, stuff like that, that you can't really put your finger on, that you don't really have proof for. Um, But I experienced it all from like yeah, endless stories of like sexual harassment in the workplace Mm. to like full on bullying. Um, Mm. I think it got really, I had like a pretty bad case of like bullying from my um, white female manager in 2015 Mm. Um, and it just got so bad you kind of like it's a real slow burner because you kind of go into like the workplace after uni or like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed ready to (laughs) come to the world Mm -hmm. and then like it's just slowly like grinds you down and you suddenly like wake up one day and I think it does take something like bad like workplace bullying to happen Mm -hmm. even though like all these little things like little things I say that in, Yeah. yeah in quotation marks um like sexual harassment, stuff like that, that you sort of laugh off and laugh off and then yeah. something bad happens and then you, will, you wake up one day and you're like, wow, like mm-hmm. all my confidence has gone. I used to like yeah. think I was pretty smart and pretty confident, pretty good at what I did. And mm-hmm. then after like sort of a few years in the industry, I kind of woke up and realised that I, all my confidence had gone. I didn't really recognize mm-hmm. myself. Um, and yeah, I think that's when I, yeah, sort of woke up to racism as it were mm-hmm. um and then yeah I slowly tried to like kind of I was desperate to sort of get out and find something else to do thankfully I found like flowers and it was kind of I spent a few years still in the industry um mm-hmm. while kind of building up my flower business before I was able to like finally quit I think I mm-hmm. caused a lot of trouble in the time I had like a four month notice period so wow. I spent those four months really speaking out about everything <laughs> and that was um that was back in like 2017 and I think yeah having left leaving the corporate world it just sort of continued I started exploring like the idea of race more and more um Mm. and yeah obviously that was before COVID and everything that happened more recently so I did a lot of reading Mm -hmm. from like um, the Black community Mm because a lot of racial discourse is led by them and I think Mm -hmm. we have a lot to learn and be grateful for from the Black community because I think yeah yeah, you want to learn about freedom and social justice there they are the ones that are leading the way Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah so I did a lot of reading from yeah when I left um the media industry until yeah right now and I think yeah wow
0: yeah oh my gosh thank you so much for sharing that like I really resonate with like that feeling of it builds that crescendo of racism I guess isn't it and then it gets to the point where you're like why am I so miserable and sad because I had quite similar experiences but I didn't know to label them as racism at the time um like being overlooked for even like passing my probation to like um just general racism in the workplace like people ask me whether that was dim sum that I was eating when it wasn't um and like yeah <laughs> just like very yeah I know That's <laughs> similar to you laughing along with it thinking that it was acceptable and then yeah you just you don't realize and I I do wonder like how many people are in similar situations to us whether they're they're still in that journey now of like accepting that racism because they don't realize that it is racism
2: yeah they don't realize it with gas Mm. gaslighting Mm. (laughs) such as the power of gaslighting Mm. and you know sometimes like it's kind of often harder to like confront it like oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'm so happy in life I wouldn't change a thing about my journey but like it's been yeah. you know a struggle and yeah. before finding you guys for example it was like a really isolating journey to be on um yeah. and I'm sure we'll talk about it more but like mm. one that you know maybe like some ec people don't really understand or aren't ready to mm-hmm. confront because it is hard to confront these. Mm, it
0: really is. Yeah, I, yeah, it really, really is. You know, like I, I hear people saying like, oh, if you see racism in workplace, you have to call it out. And I'm like, but just imagine all the dynamics that you have to think about before you even do that. Like if it's your manager, like yours was, for example, like it puts you in such a, a horrible, vulnerable position like of course you're not gonna like just outright call out their racism and bullying and harassment or whatever it is because you're the one that suffers ultimately rather than them
2: yeah and they've sort of ground you down to the point where yeah you're not even sure if you're like imagining mm. it or like yeah you're right or maybe it is your fault and all this yeah. complicated stuff
0: I've had white women message me since apologizing and saying to me, I'm sorry. Cause I, I shared this article about white women basically and someone who I used to work with messaged me saying, saying I'm sorry if I've ever done anything to like contribute to that. And I had to kind of say to them like, yeah, you did. (laughs) Like there were things that you did in the office that I was really unhappy with. Um, but that was only in hindsight with hindsight, looking back that I realized that it was something that was unacceptable. Um, so I guess we're all on that journey of growth, but it is just wild, isn't it? How like that happens and it's quite rare that someone would actually come and apologize to you about it. Really well. rare, well, I'm really glad rare. So, Yeah. see <laughs> hey, you. what about yourself then? Um, was there like a particular turning point for you?
1: Um, I think in terms of exploring my EC heritage, I wouldn't say there was much of a turning point, I guess being from China. Um, you know I grew up in, in an environment that was pure EC
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so yeah there was obviously a big difference when I moved here and I was you know very conscious that I was different um, but not much from a race perspective I think just more you know because I was from a different country rather than thinking about it being oh I'm you know i Um, I haven't got the same skin color as as them or anything like that. Um, so I think, yeah, um, after spending the first 16 years of my life in the country, I don't think that's something I will, you know, lose or or forget. Um, I guess my, my whole life is here now. Um, and there's still moments where I feel like, you know, I've listened to a lot of English songs, but I haven't really, um, know listen to any Chinese songs or or K-pop for a while. Mm. Let me just you know go to Spotify and and find that so really connect with that for a bit. Mm. Um or um things like I've just started um writing my journal in Mandarin just because I've you know obviously working um in English and uh reading everything in English You, you you do um, wonder oh am I gonna forget my Chinese mm. um, but it's quite amazing that um, you know there's some characters I probably haven't written in, in more than five years but it is still there somewhere in your brain mm. so, so I, can, I can still write it um, but yeah but I think similar to King Wei, th- there was a bit of a turning point in terms of race and racism and mine's actually more recent I think is it's probably after COVID. um, I think I've um, not really noticed in the past. I don't wanna say I haven't experienced in the past, but um, there was nothing major that really, you know, impacted my my mental health or any, you know, verbal or, 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 uh, there were some verbal things that that definitely made me uncomfortable. Mm. Um, By the time you you kind of just, um, you know, don't let anything get into your head. Mm. Um, and just wanted to be, um, you know, humble because I I am a migrant in this country. I don't want to, you know, cause any troubles or, or, Mm. um, you know, speak up too much about um, anything that I I don't feel I should speak about. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think it was during the first lockdown, um, actually... Uh, one of my friends from sixth form, some of so my sixth form friends, were, were all white, actually. Um, but one of them recommended um, a saw to to read a book. Um, it was after the um, Ives Matters movement, and uh, she said, "Why, why don't we all read? Uh, why I'm not longer talking to white people about race?" Mm. Um, which was just such a good book, and it was so eye opening for me, um, I think part of it, I think I'm, I was more looking at it mm. um, from an outsider's point of view, because obviously Black people and, and EC people have very, very different experiences, um, but also a lot of it really resonated with me, you know, thinking about my experiences in the past. Um, and for example you know when you apply for jobs uh, like you guys mentioned that workplaces um, you know you you don't know that if you've been rejected because you're not good enough for the job or is it because you know of your race because I've mm. got a very obviously non-white name mm. um, and um, yeah I think after you apply for I don't know 40 50 jobs but you, you don't get, you don't hear back a lot but then when I'm you know referred by a friend or ex-colleague or something you know I do tend to get somewhere mm-hmm. um that means you know I, I do have something to to give to to, to the employers. Mm-hmm. so not not um I'm sure that there's some jobs that I'm probably not good enough to do but mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's all of them. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah and then in the first lockdown, I also just started listening to a lot of um, social justice podcasts on mm. my um, um, prescribed one walk a day, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think I didn't really listen to podcasts before, mm. um, but I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm living in uh, the countryside, and yeah, if you, if you wondered what I did in lockdown in the countryside, it's, um, mm-hmm. apart from work, it's just, you know, walking in the middle of the fields, listening to this (laughs) social justice podcast, and yeah, so much of it just really resonated with me, Mm. and yeah, and um, I think, you know, having lived so long here in in the UK, you do feel like, um, you know, that that maybe I'm just rubbing off on the Britishness a little bit, you want to Sweet things under the carpet and um just not talk about uncomfortable things um but yeah I think um just reading things and listening to this podcast really you know g- gave me the courage to really explore this this area and really to lean into this these issues mm. so yeah
0: yeah thanks for sharing that because like I really resonate with Um, Rennie edo Lodge's book it was my first ever book that I read about anti-racism that was back in 2017 and I didn't even explore my own heritage I was I was again looking at it from an outsider's perspective like learning from the black experience but not even thinking about my own which was so strange Mm -hmm. um I remember back then there was a a friend who like I was reading a book at their house and they were like this book is why you're reading this like it's racism was so long ago it doesn't even exist anymore and I was trying to explain to them like why this is important but I didn't have the language back then um and I couldn't articulate it and I felt so like just helpless and I wish I could like retain everything and I think that's really spurred me on to like learn so much so that so that if, if that ever happens again I have rebuttals to go back and be like well actually x y and z even though that shouldn't be the case we shouldn't be arguing with white people about whether racism exists anyway but yeah I, I felt similarly with that with that book it was kind of like the first book that kind of enlightened me to just find out more about um my experience as well as like the black community's experience and learn from them as well so thanks for sharing that it's really really interesting to hear it was a really
1: good book, yeah. I think mm. I, yeah, I'm not a big reader in the first place, I guess, but I yeah. um, do read mostly uh, fictional books, um, mm. you know, just romantic stories that would never happen in real life or, or something <laughs> like that. But, yeah, I think if, if um, it wasn't recommended to me, I probably wouldn't have picked mm. it up because it does feel like a subject that was quite far away but mm. um, yeah I'm, I'm so glad I read it and it did um, yeah just change my thinking in um, a lot of ways and just change how I see things in general. Mm. Mm. It's funny that you said that as well Viv like um, it was yeah one of the
2: first books I sort of um, read and I remember meeting up with an ex EC friend I'd say mm. um, and I was kind of like just putting it away um, as she arrived and she said, she saw it, she was like, oh yeah, I've heard about this book. Don't mm. you think like black people just take the whole racism thing a bit far sometimes? <laughs> this is, Again, I think 2017, 2018. Wow. And oh, I, wow. yeah, again, didn't have the language or like yeah. the readiness to like combat that. I like to think I do doubt, but yeah, I remember it being the beginning of the end of like, Many friendships, to be honest.
0: Wow. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, and yeah, it just—I little did I know back then it was gonna yeah. be one of the many times I was gonna mm. separate from friends. Wow. Uh, oh
0: my gosh. Yeah.
1: Of, yeah, of our politics. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people still think of races as you know, far right extremists um mm. but they don't realize that um even there's no you know physical abuses or anything that um yeah it, it can still be uh, racist yeah
0: it can be the most white liberal progressive people who are the most racist in my experience like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I even had another conversation with a, a another white woman who read that book and then she I hadn't read the book before she um approached me but she came up to me and she was just like I don't know how I feel about this book because it's really assuming a lot about me as a white person and like the fact that I am um like it's assuming that I am racist and like all these types of things and she, looking back now like she wanted my opinion on it because I was a person of color. And I wonder whether she would have done, she would have like come to me with, I don't know, like why was she so interested in speaking about it with me in particular, was I her only like person of color friend? I don't know, but oh, it's just yeah. the defensiveness is just astounding. I've had a lot of that, like, I don't know. I yeah. like to
2: think maybe things have moved on a bit like since 2017 with um, the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that there is less of this attitude that, oh, well, slavery was a thing of the past and like people should just mm. get it now. Like, so I like to think there's a bit less of that, but yeah, yeah, that's another thing that just resonates with me. Like yeah. people, I remember like during that summer of where Black Lives really took off, like yeah. people just sliding into my DMs being like, hey, have you seen this? What do you think of this? And it's just like, mm why are you asking me <laughs> like taking yeah. have taken an interest before in my opinion on anything and yeah, yeah it's just a bit it's just a bit sus you know
0: it is it's is so sus and I remember someone else because I was like I was like sharing quite a lot during that time about Black Lives Matter and then someone messaged me being like hi babe just let like, you know like I'm listening and I'm learning I'm like don't fucking listen to me <laughs> why are you listening so why why to me like what the heck like it's I'm F- not F- black F- yeah <laughs> That's I'm listening and I'm learning. And you know, like the the typical fucking white liberal yeah. reaction. <laughs> I get it's well-meaning. I really do. It's very well-intentioned. But I, like I look back, and then someone else said to me as well. Oh, I'm a bit scared of you now. Someone messaged me that saying that I'm a bit scared of you because of the fact that I was speaking up about racism yeah. <laughs> 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 Rah, Be scared. <laughs> They should be terrified.
2: <laughs> oh, it kind of shows that they kind of didn't think they had to watch
0: themselves before it. <laughs> they do. And that's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> you better watch your back, white people. I'm coming for you. Um. So with you both joining Be then, how has this been received by your friends, family? Like, does anyone know? Or do you talk about it outside of like,
1: us? <laughs> Yeah, my um, my friends and family have been really supportive. Um, yeah, I think that the, the friends I've been in touch with, I think living in 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 the village, mm. um, is um, quite rare nowadays that I <laughs> go out and uh, and see <laughs> friends. But um, yeah, the the friends I uh, I'm in touch with, they're definitely very supportive of it um and i think yeah some people would probably you know try, try to find words to say uh, you know they, they probably would to say much more than oh that's really cool or something like that mm. um but yeah others would you know make more comments about how they do notice that um if they're walking around with an easy friend you know people on the street do tend to make weird comments, just you know, randomness in the streets, saying mm. funny things like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, my family's been really supportive as well. Um, even my stepdad,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who's white. Um, yes. Yeah, I think I, I still struggle to explain white supremacy to him a little bit. Because, mm. um, you know, we're from a very ordinary working class family. Mm. Um, he just be like you know I don't feel very superior to anybody yeah um mm. you know which I can kind of understand but um, mm. I guess yeah baby steps
0: <laughs> yeah I think it's like um the you know the more we learn the more we realize that things like class do intersect with race as well in so many ways and like why would you know talking to a working class white person about racism and white supremacy or white privilege is difficult because they, there are certain circumstances where like, yeah, they they do intersect class and class and race. And why would they want to give up their white privilege or, or give up their privilege when they're suffering themselves? I do, I do get that kind of like that rhetoric. I think it is, you know, something that I've learned is like, you can't just tell people to give up their privilege or because there's so many people that are in more dire situations than, than a lot of people of color um yeah so it's quite interesting um yeah I'm not gonna lie I feel like I've lost a lot
2: of friends <laughs> or yeah, friends <laughs> like yeah, yeah. the last um well yes yeah, since I started speaking up more about um yeah um racism and social mm. justice yeah it was it was really hard and really lonely like um mm. there's a lot of like kind of eye rolls from both family members as well as friends whenever i bring it up and mm. oh she's gone about that again type thing um mm. and i guess now like um thinking about yeah present day like it just means that i'm surrounded by people that get it and i think mm. i've really struggled with like you know i don't really feel like you should throw people away and i think we're all on our different journeys and It's not that people, you know, are bad people. That they Mm. like people are busy. They just have other stuff to do and think about. And Mm. um, everyone is on their own journey. They really are. Um, And there's no amount of like lecturing from you. I think I went through like my very angry phase (laughs) of like wanting to be like, what about this? What about this? And Mm. I've learned that there's no amount of that that's ever gonna make someone you know, come around, everyone needs to come around to it on their own, just kind of what you were saying about this concept of giving up your privilege, Mm. like, that's not something that people just gonna do, they're gonna kind of come to terms and realise and see things when they want to, when they're ready Mm. to, there's not something that you can do, um, to force people into that, um, Mm. but yeah, I guess it is sad, and I have struggled with this, oh, do you want, like, um can you be friends with someone who has like different politics from you and I mm. kind of I still like that it's something that I struggle with mm-hmm. um and I guess yeah I you know after like the Atlanta shootings and thinking back to this one like mm. ex-friend a white woman
0: yeah.
2: who um I basically I was like going through a really tough time with all like the mm. kind of racism and then the Atlanta shootings happened I was kind mm. of yeah I'd been um had like some verbal, like um, and some physical abuse of the street over mm-hmm. the pandemic. And yeah. I was some of them that suffered from anxiety pre-pandemic anyway. So yeah. my anxiety just really blew up and yeah. it was like got to a point where I couldn't really like, I didn't feel safe in the house. Um and when I'm like that I kind of tend to shut off in the world <laughs> so I like will this yeah. respond to like mm-hmm. friends when like I won't open whatsapp I like just won't look at my phone I yeah. yeah. had this one like ex-friend who just like really wanted me to like respond to her and <laughs> I just really wasn't in the place and I, mm-hmm. I think I hadn't responded to her for about like it was coming up to like two months and she sent me this really angry voice note and she like totally blew up I guess her patience just ran out wow. um And I'd actually already responded to her kind of saying look I'm just not in a good place right now with everything Mm. happening in my community and she was like what's happening with your community (laughs) She just like was completely unaware of it (laughs) and this was like the day after the Atlanta shooting so it's kind of like on the news Um, and I was like I don't really have the energy to explain this to you and she Mm. just got really angry with me she was like I don't think it's healthy that you're surrounding yourself with like people that all have the same perspective as you um like you seem to be in this black hole and I feel sorry for you like yeah (laughs) horrible violent like gaslighting and yeah so while I do think like it's important like mm. it's just funny that she thinks that like me having ec friends means that we all have the same perspective which is clearly not the case because we're not <laughs> on it. um but yeah there's a difference between surrounding yourself with people that get you and understand you and you know yeah. not all my friends that get me are ec mm. i have plenty of white friends yeah. who have been super supportive yeah and have just been there for me with no expectation. Yeah. um yeah they don't always know what the right thing to do is i don't know what like what I need half the time but yeah. yeah I think what I've learned is um I think you just want to surround yourself with people that make
1: mm-hmm. you happy at the
2: end of the day um, yeah. mm-hmm. regardless of sharing the exact same points of view and everything but I don't know I think when it comes to your humanity <laughs> and yeah. other people's humanity and marginalized and oppress people's humanity that's something that <laughs> um I can't compromise on
0: unfortunately (laughs) yep say it louder you can't compromise on your humanity like oh my god Kingway I resonate so much with that and I feel like we've spoken a bit offline about similar experiences that we've shared with white women and similarly I had a um white woman friend say through someone else that they thought what I was doing with seen is dangerous and that the be seen women are dangerous <laughs> <laughs> dangerous
2: women
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you <they> are dangerous <laughs> yeah watch out again
1: white <laughs> yeah, women watch out I'm gonna get
0: you um but like yeah like just just the the entitlement and the superiority that comes with that is just like it really permeates in so many ways like the fact that she didn't even know what was going on, is and it was all over the news it wasn't like it was just on certain news outlets it was everywhere like it's just so ignorant woefully ignorant it's horrible
1: yeah Yeah. i do feel like um yeah the racism during covid was more like a form of accepted racism you know because of the virus being from china Mm. and people just feel like oh it's okay to blame the people that look Chinese um, without even realizing that is racist and mm. yeah it, it was just everywhere in, in different forms um, so yeah well like
2: throwaway away comments like um, I'd known the amount of times I'd be like people would be like oh people are idiots It's just like yeah they are like people will always scapegoat people during time mm. it's just like yeah they will but you know, it's still affecting us yeah.
1: and the community in a very serious way and
2: mm-hmm. not to be pleasurable,
1: maybe. It's yeah. always so sad that, you know, people lose friends over um, this, um, this tragedy, but, you know, thinking about it from a positive perspective, I think it's a nice way of just filtering friends, you know, you, you, can, you can see who your true friends are and who you really want to surround yourself with yeah yeah like king Lisa just now you do get to a point of like
0: you know it's really hard like the the friendship breakups that I've been through has been so difficult but you get to a point of almost like liberation of like I'm now free from that I I didn't realize was a horrible dynamic that I was in um so yeah and you can choose your friends a lot more wisely I think the more you learn about I guess you just your own humanity not only about racism but just about who you are as a person like I think it comes with I don't know getting older as well
2: perhaps. Yeah I've time for like all these friends like mediocre friends. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I don't I see people that I love um, so you know it's good good to have a spring clean. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we all have very limited time and energy. So yes, yeah, <laughs> on the other time you actually love and actually care about. Correct.
0: Exactly. So moving on to that, what what brings you both joy then?
1: For me, um I love traveling. Um obviously wasn't able to do much of that in the past two years. Um, but yeah, definitely as some. As restrictions east, I'm hoping to travel more. Um, and just, I love exploring new places, you know, naturey places or uh, different cultures, um, obviously, places with uh, nice food. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when I can't do that, I think I just like to, you know, go for a walk in the sun or being outdoors and um, I, I love doing yoga. I nice. um, started doing um, yoga tutorials, you know, one of those YouTube um, tutorials uh, since lockdown, Yoga with Adrian and mm-hmm. she's got I I think 30 30 days of yoga programs, I did Mm. six of those during lockdown, so that was 180 days of yoga for me. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, so uh, lots of different things. I also started teaching myself the piano uh, during lockdown, because I was kind of furloughed Mm. for a bit, and I always wanted to learn the piano, and I thought, oh, this is a nice opportunity to um, really just follow my dream so I bought like a digital piano um, at the start of the first lockdown mm-hmm. but then uh, as soon as that arrived I think the day after my manager asked me oh you come back to work on Monday <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> oh,
0: <damn it. laughs>
1: damn it. but yeah but yeah in the past um, you know, so I did manage to learn a few pieces and really enjoying it
0: Amazing! Next time you can do karaoke and sing and use the piano at the same time. Play the piano.
1: I think I can do two separately, but I'm still working on how to do the two together. <laughs> get in okay, there. Okay, we'll give you Hopefully. six months. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kingway, what about you? I'll yourself? get on with it. Then. What brings you joy, Kingway?
2: What brings me joy? Obviously, eating. Uh, <laughs> being on my own. <laughs> no, <I'm
0: joking. laughs> No. I'm not eating it on my own.
2: I'm <laughs> on my own in
0: a dark room. No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that does actually bring me joy. But um my friends, old and new, um, it's been so nice. Like after talking about some quite dark stuff in this podcast, like the really like beautiful things. Just finding so many people that yeah, just understand you and like, without judgments, and who give a shit about the same things you give a shit about, like, mm, yeah. and that is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also part of, like, another organization called EC Sisters, mm-hmm. um, which is basically, like, um, it's basically a Discord community of about, oh, God, 700 of us now, and it's, wow. um, yeah, um, I can hardly keep up with it, because I'm, like, a geriatric millennial, I think it's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's so many amazing women it's for um people of ec descent that identify as like women trans non-gender conforming, non-binary um and other like genderqueer identities um and yeah we've just like we had a few like um like events such as like a hot pot, the Lunar New Year, we've had like healing circles, which have just been beautiful. And I'm just thinking back to like one healing circle that we did. Um, And I think it just, yeah, kind of nicely symbolizes like the things that have brought me joy this past like year or so. And I don't mean this in a patronizing way, but like just seeing like young people, like the Gem Zedders. And even our, like, yeah, my generation and younger generations um, of EC people come together and be emotionally vulnerable is not something I ever thought I'd see. <laughs> like, you know, like I, that shows my age, I guess, because the young people and, yeah, some, um just like they inspire me. <laughs> and like, it just gives me so much hope for, mm. um, yeah, future generations and how we're moving into a more, kinder understanding more vulnerable place together and i'm mm. really happy
0: oh that's beautiful i <laughs> totally agree you know with them um, and again i don't mean this to sound patronizing but with the gen z generation and that i, th- I think i have the most access to that generation through the work that i do um because our team's quite young mm-hmm. like my day job but also tiktok as well and yeah. like just hearing like Re- like teenagers talk about the racism discourse in a way that I never had the language to do when I was like 16, 17. Like it's astounding, it's really oh, I amazing. I mean, like even up to 16, 17. I'm talking about my twenties here.
2: Mm. I'm just oh same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like individualistic, selfish mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> just see people that age so in touch mm. with the world and yeah like yeah just knowing about all these forms of oppression and knowing how they want to combat them and knowing what to do fighting mm. the good fight is yeah truly like a really lovely thing to see
0: oh what a nice note to end it on um so final final question then uh, for both of you are you team rice or
1: team noodles it's a difficult one, but I'm going to have to go with rice. I think, um, yeah, for me, noodles is something that, you know, mm. when you want something nice, um, I w- I mean, I would have noodles any day. Um, but I guess growing up, rice mm. is just something that's, you know, by default, you have some dishes with rice. Mm. And um, yeah, so, so on the basis that, um, how much rice or noodles you know have I had more volume of rice or more volume mm. of noodles <laughs> in my life so far definitely mm. rice
0: <laughs> a very very like logical approach there Poen I like it I like it <laughs> Kingway.
2: And for me, I'm sorry, Team Noodles, but it's got to be rice. You're rice as well. well. I am rice as well. You know <laughs> what they say? If you eat a meal in the forest without rice, did you even eat? <laughs> <laughs> that age old saying by Confucius.
0: Yes. <laughs> a meal without rice. Sorry, but yeah. Got oh, do you know? See, I think I am still secretly Team Rice, but I was smited ah. by the um the um the the noodle gods because I got food poisoning after I admitted to be seen that I think I might be moving over to Team Rice. Then no. I ate some bad rice and I was ill from both ends. <laughs> it was oh, bad. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> that's so disgusting. So I feel like it was like the the noodle gods saying to me, "No, you have to stay Team Noodle. You can't you can't go to the other side." Right, where can listeners find you both then?
1: You can find me on um, Bissing. I probably spent more time on the Bissing account than my personal account, to be honest.
0: Do you? Shit, I never log on. That's so bad. <laughs> you, you can going? also
2: find me through Bissing and on Instagram, I'm at allrightpetalflowers.com if you want to see some flower content. Um, and that's all I'm on. As I said, geriatric, millennial. There's
0: <laughs> <laughs> no tiktok yet. Street would do so well on tiktok i think.
2: Yeah, like reels of like yeah. building arrangements. i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd rather eat by myself in a dark room than- <laughs> <laughs>
0: fair enough. that's fair enough. Be a geriatric millennial. Well, thank you both. Really enjoyed having you on and everyone can um can look out for Kingway and Peiwen on more B scene stuff coming up. Thank you both. This was lovely. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.